This is Bet MGM tonight. Join us for live sweats. Yes. Let's go, Kansas 80, State. That was a big balls three. Three minutes ago. Big balls three. Instant reaction. This is an unbelievable thing for me to see. My favorite team, my true favorite team. Less mistress, more side piece. And maybe a few regrettable decisions. Oh, he's got bust written all over him. Gutekind sucks. Jordan Edison ran a 5-3-40, and he's Trista's height. I'd take him. You know what you shouldn't have done? Bet on the Wizards. Yep. Now, live from Washington, D.C., it's Ryan Horvat, Trista Crick, and Nick Ashu. You know, those Wizards right now are only down two to the Nets. You want to live bet the Wizards at all, Ryan? No, no, no. No, not tonight. No, I already got money on the Hawks, <laughs> which is usually painful enough, although they're up right now on the Kings 31-8. to Most most people would feel good about that in the NBA. No, no. I want to be down about 20. That's a real thing. I just saw a tweet, and I think it's a very uh, reasonable tweet. It looks like the Kings went out last night. You know, you can watch a team on the road, and you're oh, just yeah. like, oh, they look like they had a late night. Yeah. That it happens. The, that was the inside info that I had, but I didn't want to tweet it out. <laughs> you know what? Sometimes you just keep it to yourself. You don't have to give everything out. You know how it is in Atlanta. I do. I do. Land Atlanta's late. a fun town, man. It, it is, man. Fun, fun town. Our buddy Chris Miles joins us on the show regularly, lives there now, always doing some cool. He was playing pickup basketball with Dwight Howard the other day. With Dwight me, Howard? Yeah, with Dwight Howard. Where at? Uh, somewhere. In the United States, where. though? Yeah. Okay, so Dwight's, Dwight's back for the yeah, holidays, he's here. I'm guessing? Yeah. yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, good, he was good. back, so I was like, oh, all yeah, right. Look at you, be... just once again, doing something cool. I don't know, so. <laughs> Man. Imagine, imagine. Imagine just playing basketball with Dwight Howard on a Wednesday. Well, Chris did. He played growing up. Uh, he played in high school. He'd love to tell you those stories on a regular basis. I can say this behind his back because I will also say it to his face. He's also one of my favorite people. Another one of my favorite people. One of my favorite cat with the few. Ryan, the few people that either cover the Cowboys, fan of the Cowboys, anything, haven't talked to him in forever. Chris Arnold jumps on with us. 105.3 The Fan in Dallas with a Cowboys team that's got themselves they got themselves some Super Bowl aspirations but it's been a rough, rough couple of weeks right now, Chris, so it's been, I know, a roller coaster. It's been up. It's been down. There have been big wins. There have been big losses with the Cowboys. Right now, sitting at 10-5, and five, two weeks left in the regular season. What is your temperature on this team and your comfort level in terms of what they can do come playoff time? Uh, it's still up in the air. It's like, well, they're a talented team. They can win games at home. The road home splits are not kind. The road losses have been, uh, I wouldn't call them brutal, but they've been against the big dogs, and they have not beaten the big dogs. When they uh, lost the Miami Dolphins, it goes down to a last-second field goal. But remember, those two teams have a reputation nationally of the Spider-Man meme. They're huge. You know, they, they, neither team apparently can beat a big team. So, uh, again, the Cowboys, they're right there, but you just can't trust what you're going to see until they do something in the playoffs. The two areas that really worry me because I did bet the Cowboys to uh, win the Super Bowl. Nick's been giving me a hard time. But the middle of the field, <laughs> obviously, you know, they're bottom 10 against tight ends. They can't really cover slot receivers either. But really now I'm worried about uh, Dallas against the run. I mean, the Jonathan Hankins injury has been huge. Since week nine, I think like 45% of runs against them are successful, which is dead last or second to last in the NFL. You know, is this an easy fix if Hankins comes back? Or what are you seeing right now on the defensive side of the ball? Because we thought with this team, uh, that was the strength. Their weakness has always been the last few years, run defense. Yeah. Dan Quinn 
He's got to pressure the quarterback defense. They're number one pressuring the quarterback. Um, But against the run, they're like, uh, I want to say they're number 24. The thing that's so sad is they got Hankins last year, and they re-signed him. They drafted Mozzie Smith in the first round to shore it up. Mozzie's taking a little while to to adjust to the NFL. He's he's not like an impact first-round pick. Not yet. He's uh, shoring it up. But Dan Quinn's linebacking core is really a bunch of hybrid safeties. And that's not big enough to bring down running backs. And the Buffalo Bills showed you a, a recipe. I'm not going to call it a blueprint, but it is a recipe where they literally just ran the ball down the Cowboys' throats. This was a couple of weeks ago. This was a measuring stick game for the Cowboys. Okay, let's beat a team on the road, right? Beat a contender. The Bills were dangerous. And all they did was, okay, run the ball down the throat. Cook just ran the ball down the throat. He had almost 200 yards rushing. The thing that was so sad is, Here's a quarterback that the Cowboys feast on quarterbacks, right? Jared Allen was made to order. Yeah, he's a great player, but guess what? The Cowboys, they always get the, they have to get the takeaways. And Jared, Jared Allen was uh, Jared, Josh, Josh Allen was leading the NFL in in takeaways, fumbles and picks. And then he's also didn't he was leading the league in, in touchdown passes with like thirty at the time. Well, guess what? He didn't have any touchdown passes in that game. In fact, he didn't have a hundred yards passing the ball and the Cowboys did not have time of possession the bottom line is if you look at the Cowboys their best weapon I've said this over and over on the air their best defense is their offense the offense has to score first which allows the Cowboys defense to attack the quarterback of the other team because then that team has to start throwing the ball they're not going to have to be patient and run the ball and that's been the formula especially at home Cowboys averaging 40 points a game at home had that the NFL's longest home winning streak of 15 straight games had not lost a game since the first game season opener a year ago Tom Brady and the and the and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers 2022 yeah, and the reason I ask about the middle of the field is you're probably most likely for Dallas, they're going to have to meet San Francisco or Philadelphia, but you're going to have to cover either Dallas Goddard or George Kittle. And then you look at the run game for both teams, and it's Christian McCaffrey, and then it's, you know, Swift or whichever back Sirianni wants Debo to use. Samuel, or Debo Samuel. Debo Samuel. Contact, yards yeah. catch. So do you feel a little bit better now after we watch Baltimore kind of curb stomp San Francisco? Does it make them seem like they're beatable? Because the last two years in the playoffs, man, Dallas. They've been this close to beating San Francisco. Bad play calling at the end of games. We have Ezekiel Elliott playing center. We have Dak running QB draws <laughs> with no timeouts. That was, that was a damn shame. <laughs> but do you feel like after that game, because I'm trying to make the case, man, that this could be their year. Do you feel Do you feel like they might match up a little bit better? Maybe this could be their year that they could beat San Francisco? Because I feel like it's Dallas, it's San Fran, it's Philly, and then it's everybody else. I hear what you're saying. If you if you look for the Cowboys to do some damage, you want Dan Quinn to look at the Baltimore uh, blueprint, the game plan, and see what they could do with that. Because Dak Prescott, he was in the MVP conversation because he actually leads the NFL in third downs conversions. Dak Prescott knows how to execute. When it comes to the 49ers, that's been the team. They, Like I said, the last two years, they stopped them in the playoffs. But I've been telling Cowboy fans here in Texas, you can't count them out. Now, in this world of projection and instant gratification, you want to be absolute, but not in the world of sports. And the best example is in baseball, the World Series champion, Texas Rangers. That was a hard team to watch the last month of the season. And all they did was go undefeated in the playoffs on the road. No team in baseball history had gone 15-0 undefeated on the road, on their way, stomping out the uh, Houston Astros that owned them, stomping them out, 
to beat then beating Arizona in the World Series to win a World Series championship the franchise had never won in 52 years in Texas, 63 years overall coming from D.C. So the whole point I try to make to people is, yeah, you can dismiss the Cowboys all you want, but don't try to climb upon the bandwagon like you did with the Rangers just in time for the Arizona Diamondbacks to lose. You follow what I'm saying? Yeah. You gotta be. You have to be. A, you can't. You can't be a coward. Yep. You gotta say, okay, it's gonna be hard to watch. I gotta buckle up, and if this is my team, I gotta let them play it out. That doesn't mean that you walk chest first. Oh, the Cowboys gonna win the whole thing. No, you just have to play. Let it play out. Let me say one other thing about those Rangers again. They had never won it at all in their entire franchise history. The last game of the regular season, they had been in first place most of the year. They lose the last game in Seattle by one run, one to nothing. It was like people were flipping pencils. Yeah, like this Rangers team, they might they might make the playoffs, but they ain't going nowhere. And then lo and behold, stuff happens. So what it means is in the world of sports, if you're healthy, the war of attrition, and if you're hot at the right time, who knows what can happen? And ironically, you mentioned the 49ers. The last time the Cowboys won the Super Bowl, which was the last century, in the 20th century, is 30 years ago. The last time they did that, there was a fear of having to go through San Francisco because San Francisco was the defending champion. This time the Cowboys had Dion, but guess what? San Francisco lost. The Cowboys wind up hosting Green Bay, and then they go to play uh, the Steelers in the Super Bowl and win. Again, I'm not saying that the Cowboys are destined to win the Super Bowl. I'm just saying as hard as it might be to watch or as hard as it might be to you know, say this team has a chance, they just do because it's sports. Talking to Chris Arnold, BetMGM tonight. Yeah, I, I, the thing, too, about, like, this season, Chris, is we've really had, like, every team has gone through some sort of roller coaster. And I don't know that yeah. that's over the NFL season, but, like, it doesn't it just feel to you like this is more wide open than it's been before? I, 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 we throw around the word parody a lot. Tom Brady threw around the word mediocrity. There are some teams you certainly feel that way. But, like, I look around the NFL, and I could poke holes in every single team. And at this point now, too, I mean, even the 49ers. I thought when the 49ers were healthy, they were unbeaten, and the Ravens proved that that wasn't the case. Now you look at the Ravens and go, well, maybe they're going to win the Super Bowl. But then you still look at the NFC and go, yeah, can Dallas get through there? It just feels to me like it's more wide open than in the past, and no one has truly separated themselves at this point in the season. You're exactly right. And case in point, do you realize the Cleveland Browns now have more wins than the Dallas Cowboys? (laughs) And they've been through four different quarterbacks. Cleveland (laughs) Browns have 11 wins. The Cowboys have 10. The Cowboys are on a two-game losing streak. They had not lost two games in a row the entire season. But if you look at just the AFC alone – it's so freaking wide open. And nobody was paying attention to Baltimore. And guess what? Lamar Jackson's healthy, and they keep winning. San Francisco, oh, they're the big beast. And they had that, that rough mid-October. But guess what? Baltimore had no problems with them on the West Coast. None. So it just shows you you're, you're exactly correct. Anything can happen. Kansas City, they need wide receivers that stay on the right side of the ball. I mean, it's, I can go on and on and on. I could go on and on and on about, okay, these teams are supposed to be dead. Oh, wait a minute, they're still alive. These teams are supposed to be dumb. Oh, wait a minute, they're not dominating anybody. Buffalo's an extremely talented team, but they're still on the outside looking in, hoping to do some damage in the playoffs. When you look at these two teams tomorrow night, 
think this is going to be a higher scoring game or do you think this is going to be a lower scoring game? Because Detroit this season, it's kind of like these teams almost have the same issues, right? Like they both have really good pass rushes. Detroit's good against the run. Dallas not so great against the run. But I just, I, I don't know if this is going to be like a slugfest or do you think this is going to be more of a shootout, Detroit and Dallas? Because the total in the game is 52, which is pretty big and it's golf versus Dak. But I don't know, man. I, I could see it going either way, really. The thing is so crazy is that there's a bunch of Cowboys ties to that Detroit Lions team. And I was talking to some guys out of the Cowboys locker room and star, and uh, even J. Ron Curse, who's got the green dot on his helmet, safety for the Cowboys, he used to play for the Lions. Uh, Dan Campbell was a tight end for the Cowboys before uh, Jason Witten. Uh, Aaron Glenn, the defensive coordinator, he, was, uh, he spent a little time at cornerback for the Cowboys late in his career. In fact, he has family here in Dallas, and he owns a couple of chicken franchises down here. So there's a lot of ties that bind. But the thing about it is, Micah Parsons says something to make me pause. As much as the Cowboys have had problems against the run, they held both Miami running backs in check. They combined, they, must, they only had like 92 yards. They didn't have 100 yards between them. But here's what's so wild. Micah was saying a couple of days ago that Detroit's run game, which is powerful, they got two back um, – combo just like Miami did he said they remind me of when we had Zeke along with Tony Pollard and we he said we practice against them every day he said they got a guy who gets the dirty yards and they got the guy who's got that second gear and so they're used to seeing what they're going to shut sh- with the, with Detroit the thing about Detroit where you can't trust them uh how come out of the blue Jared Goff started fumbling ball a lot. I don't know if his hands are too small. That they, that's what they would knock on him at the draft was. His hands are too small. But he's a, he's a really good quarterback. But the point I'm trying to make is it's wide open. Is it going to be a high-scoring game? The Cowboys average 40 points a game at home. I don't know if the Lions are going to get 30 points or 20-something points because the defense feeds off the Cowboys' offense. You follow him going? He's going to have to throw the ball a lot if the Cowboys get a lead. I would take the under. But at the same time, just know that anything's possible. And also know at halftime, Jimmy, got, Jimmy Johnson goes through the ring of honor finally after 30-something years. He becomes the 24th person in the organization to get honored. Only the second coach, him and Tom Landry, only uh, 20 players and two executives, Tex Schramm and Gil Brandt. There's going to be all kinds of former Cowboys there with gold jackets from the mm-hmm. Pro Football Hall of Fame, Jimmy Johnson – a protégés. I can't even tell you how many people are going to be there at this game on, on, on Saturday night. And it's going to be a Saturday night game because it's a, an extension of Monday night football, which means Troy Aikman will be there. So this is Michael Irvin is going to be there. Emmitt Smith will be there. This team better not let those old Cowboys <laughs> down or they're going to have hell to pay. <laughs> uh, Cowboys by a million. That's what I'm hearing now, and I think that's the way I'm going to go, especially with the fact that, yeah, both teams are great inside. Cowboys also seven and zero at home. I mean, it's just it, it it's a perfect scenario. Winning streak, fifteen game winning streak at home. Perfect. Longest in the league. It's a perfect situation for them. You know what? I like a good narrative bet every once in a while. I you just want lot. them both to score a lot of points. Yeah, oh, that that were, listen. I want to watch a high scoring game. I'm right there with That's you. Fun. Chris Arnold, one hundred five three, the fan in Dallas. Great to talk to you again, man. Thanks for coming on. Thanks, man. Always, anytime, fellas. You take care. See you later, Ryan. See you later, Nick. Happy New Year.
Yeah, I mean, he does bring up a great... I think that's a great point, though. Like, these games where you have, like, all these legends come back, you got guys that want to make sure, right? Like, Dak wants to look good in front of Troy Aikman. Like, that stuff does matter. Yeah. There's just one thing if, like, okay, Troy Aikman's calling the game. Yeah. It's another when you see him, like, on the sidelines, maybe, or maybe not Troy, but you know what I mean? Like, somebody that's there, it makes a difference. Every quarterback should want to look good in front of Troy because Troy... He doesn't hold back, man, on these quarterbacks. No, That's he what doesn't. I love about him. He no, tears he into these guys. <laughs> Which is, oh, it makes the broadcast better. I'll take it. All right, scoreless Ohio State and Missouri. 13 and a half minutes to go in the first. It's Ben MGM tonight. It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL. Williams, one of those guys is probably going to bust. Right. Right. That's what we're seeing right now with C.J. Stroud and Bryce Young. And it's just the history of it. You can go through the drafts. Like, one of two is probably going to bust. Holding a, a Bengals minus three ticket holder, and I was live on air, and the emotional swings that you see as oh, a sports better. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, oh, and this is over. I was like, oh, wait, we have life. Oh, wait, this is interesting. Okay, let's go. <laughs> and I was so happy. To have pushed. I've never been more excited to make no money before. <laughs> yeah, well, it was an little. emotional yeah. roller coaster, but it was so fun. It was a perfect game to remind you of two things. One, why you're a fan of football, and two, why you're a fan of sports betting.
All right, hit us on your thoughts on Josh Allen. Well, just like we're not going to do like the full MVP stuff today, probably, but, but we should talk about it a little bit when we do San Francisco and, and Baltimore. We'll obviously talk about it a bunch, probably. But just, uh, you know, like there's, look, I this time of year, all I'm doing is just listening. Like uh, the time for me thinking is kind of past. And it's just like, all right, like the, the, the papers are due, the tests are due. Like, what's everybody's answer? And like, what are they saying? And whether you like this answer or not, and you're listening, I kind of think this is where we're at. Uh, I think a lot of people, and I think that trickles down to people who vote, think that if Josh Allen wins the next three games, he's going to win most valuable player. And it's just worth keeping in mind that this is the first game. So again, Brock Purdy's price was going to, told you three weeks ago, he's the price most likely to drop. Look at the schedule. He's the safest case to make. And huge win Seattle, huge win Arizona. Those were expected by the market. Now what's expected by the market? Like, are, is there, are there any like auto wins coming up for any of the candidates? Well, Brock Purdy doesn't have one anymore. They're playing Baltimore on Christmas night. That is not a coin flip game. It is a still a, like a potential win for the Niners, but this isn't like 13, 14 against Arizona. And so if you're like, all right, like, is there a, someone who can gain momentum? And you already see a bunch of people, like prominent media people tweeting, if Allen, anybody can be ahead right now, if Allen wins all three, he wins. Okay. This is game number one. They're 11 and a half against the Chargers. They host the Patriots the week after. Host them. What's that number? Great. You're already in the last week of the season. They're playing Miami for the division title. So just. We're back with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Scoreless Missouri, Ohio State, 11.40 to go in the first. Ryan, I got a bone to pick with college football right now. No, 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 you don't. Why? Why do we have a quarterback wearing the number 33 like Ohio State is trotting out there right now with Devin oh, Brown? Oh, Devin Brown? Why is this going on? How is this possible? I don't know. I don't like it. Uh, who's he think he is? Denard Robinson out there? I don't like it. They're showing uh, Well, Sammy, Sammy Baugh. Sammy yeah. Baugh wore They're showing you uh, a picture of Sammy Baugh, Washington Redskins uh, legend back in the day. 1960. Look at it. He's got the leather th- helmet on. Yeah, like. It, the number thing wasn't a thing then. I, I'm i not the biggest number snob. I think but, he's a big Scottie Pippen fan, and I'm not kidding. I really think that's the story behind it. I, no way. Uh, hold on. No, it's not. It's probably Sammy Baugh. They just showed a picture of Sammy Baugh on the, on the broadcast here. He don't know Sammy Baugh. Well, people know him. Slinging Sammy Ball. Come on. Back in the day when the slinging Sammy Ball was playing there for the Washington Redskins and uh, out there slinging the ball around, it was real swell with the things that he would do. Why are you looking at that? Why? Our man Devin Gardner wore 98 at Michigan per Grant in the control room in Chicago. So it does happen, but 33 is just, I mean, you're wearing a running back number. You're wearing a D-back number. That's not, that's, come so, on, man. So, like, I know, obviously, the NFL loosened their number rules. I There's some I like. I don't mind the single digits for receivers and corners. That's fine. But seeing a corner where, like, the number 13 is weird, whatever, I, I'm not at. Quarterbacks, they still limit that in the NFL. Does college football not limit numbers no. at all? No, no, no. I, I, no, I don't think With so. Especially, I mean, college football has duplicate numbers. You, you can no, never, I know that. So, I mean, but there, I, but you know there what I mean? are like the, no rules, the posi- I don't think. I thought at least like certain positions still had – like the NFL still has some range. 
right? Like he can wear Although zero. That's been loosened over the last couple. But that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Remember, it was still like receivers and corners. It's like the number. It's they like uniform the, nerdery, right? It's my dude. favorite. But yeah, but you know how many people care about this stuff? It's all over the place on Twitter right now. Yeah. A quarterback wearing 33. Our people yeah. are Jeff Feinberg's like, what the hell's going yeah. on? Yeah, I said, I said Denard. It was you're right. It was Devin that wore number 98, and he remember he switched though, so he was like an athlete. He wasn't just a traditional yep. drop back quarterback. But that's not why he wore number 98. He wore number 98 because Tom Harmon passed away. He was he did it to honor Tom Harmon, uh-huh. who was the uh, Heisman winner, I believe, in 1940. I used to be able to just, in grade school, they'd say, who are about 72, and I'd be able to just give you the Heisman. I can't. That part of my brain is gone. Well, the trees you know. took that away from <laughs> me, unfortunately. College <laughs> took that away from me, unfortunately. But, yeah, I don't like it. I hate it. Um, nineteen forty. Good for you, Rye. Thank you. Really? Yeah. See, Hell, I still no. got it. Still, the ring the bell. Still you know, got you get to ring it. the bell. The it might be the only time I do it tonight. Nineteen forty. But is there? What do you think about like guys wearing number zero, like a tight end or a wide? I me actually too. love that. Okay, me too. I love the number zero. I was a single digit guy, but then yeah. I changed to twenty four because I was a big Griffey guy. That's why. And then Kobe was wearing. I was thirty three so just... and twenty four usually in basketball. I wore number three one time. Yeah. And I remember in high school one year. But it's because the guy that it was a it was a bigger size, the thirty three, and the guy that wanted to wear three couldn't fit into it. So yeah. we had to switch jersey numbers, and I was really pissed. But I wore thirty three in practice. I remember that year. So there was that soccer. I always wore nineteen. Football. I wore thirty two usually because I played corner. OJ Ashu. Yeah, I was the juice oh, out there, my oh friends. Lord. I was the juice out there. Seduced by the juice. Seduced by the juice. But yeah, he was like, the original Jason. Seymour. I just, I, I, I can't like, I can't get over it. I'm glad that at least other people notice it because I saw it and was like, what? Oh yeah. But it's like it's just sacrilegious to me. Even if I was watching this game with Amanda, my wife, she would be like, what the hell is the quarterback wearing number thirty three? Yeah. Why is there a because, corner taking snaps? Because we yes. went to a high school game and there was a kid wearing like number forty, and she's like, what is this? This just looks so stupid. We would never do this at JCA. I was like, okay, high school football snob. <laughs> but she's right. Well, hold on. I, there's a second high school football snob in that relationship too. Let's be honest here. Yeah, but <laughs> her family didn't run the program for 30-plus well, years. That is true. She was on the dance team, though, so I guess she gets to count that. It's still a part of it, right? Yeah. It's still a part of your history, yeah. so there you go. Yeah, she was still a state champion, and that's all that matters. Um, scoreless game. The under's looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. The numbers on the quarterback's not looking so great. That's the <laughs> breakdown for you. All right, we spent a lot of time on the NFL and a lot of times on these numbers. Let's look ahead to some of the uh, college football slate with a little Horvat U. Big weekend. Big. But you know, here's the thing for me. We finally get to the point where we're actually able to see these games, right? We're able to see the New Year's Six. You're able to see bowl games that are in the college football playoff. And you just, I feel like you get teased for so long and you talk about these games for so long, you more than anybody. And you finally get to this point and you hope they lead up to those expectations in a lot of ways, obviously, especially if you're betting certain things and. Well, then they don't come to fruition after a, a month-long layoff. Yeah. Yeah, and tomorrow's finally a day where I have some bets, you know, because I've had really small bets on a lot of these games just because even the injury reports, the closing line value means absolutely nothing, man. I mean, I bet good numbers and I bet mm. bad numbers. Like today I had Kentucky as seven-point favorites. I believe that closed at three-and-a-half or three against Clemson, right? And it didn't matter. They won the game outright. Um, so that one worked out. Even Notre Dame today, I bet them on the opener, thinking a lot of guys were going to play. I figured Hartman was going to go because I think he's a career backup in the NFL. Yeah. Um, 
And they opened at 11 and a half, and it didn't matter what number you bet. Uh, they closed all the way down, I believe, at five, and they still rolled in that game. I mean, if you got a minus 24, you still won the bet. So it's just, it's been kind of a weird bowl season. It's not like it used to be. And so uh, tomorrow, though, we do got some big games. We got Ole Miss, we got Penn State. Some guys aren't going to play for Penn State. There won't be like Chop Robinson going in this game. And as good as Penn State's been on defense this season, they do give up explosives. And they do miss tackles. And Ole Miss with Jackson Dart, he's going to play in this game. And Judkins is going to play in this game. I think that Ole Miss is going to break off a couple big plays. I think Penn State might actually break off a couple big plays. That's always scary to say uh, because this season their offense was just uh, not very explosive. I mean, you know, Katron Allen, Nicholas Singleton, and neither guy averaged five yards per carry. A lot of that had to do with the offensive line not getting a bunch of push. I still think Drew Aller is going to be really good. I think he's really damn young, and I think we forget that with some of these guys. I'm more sold on him than Kyle McCord, especially now that Kyle McCord uh, is no longer at Ohio State throwing to the best wide receivers in the country. So I like the over a lot in this game, 50-and-a-half. I really like Penn State when it was 2-and-a-half or 3. At 4-and-a-half, it's just a stay away from me. But I do really like fading Lane in these games. Problem is I also really like fading James Franklin in big games. But really, like when you think about it, you fade James Franklin against Michigan and Ohio State. Every other team, he beats every single year. So I bet Penn State, but over a field goal, I think this is going to be a close game. So I just love the over a lot, over 50 and a half. Auburn, Maryland, I bet Maryland at seven. Not my strongest play. Baby two is not going to play in this game. Um, I'm hearing you might end up at Miami. Really? Yeah. And I would like to see that. But I also wouldn't like to see that. I would like to see that because... Then, if I go crazy again this season and I bet Miami to have over seven and a half wins, I uh, trust him more than I did Tyler Van Dyke, who was playing with all types of injuries, and now he's going to be playing for Wisconsin this season. But I don't know, man. Um, I just I don't know that Mario's the right guy for that job. Some of the decision-making that we saw late game. Not taking you know, a knee the, against mean, Georgia Tech, that's insanity. Just, and, that, and that's like basic fundamentals too, right? Yeah, and they let him redo the whole thing because he got to choose his coaching staff year one, and mm-hmm. it was like Josh Gaddis and a bunch of jabrones. And then they allowed him to fire all those guys, bring in guys like Shannon Dawson, the new OC, who actually has a clue, and he still didn't get it right. But all that to say, I like. I don't think um, Auburn this season should be a 7-point, 6.5-point favorite over anybody. We talked about this one, Georgia-Florida State. Georgia, see, like, I'm with you now because Florida State's all the way out to 20-and-a-half. Yep. The total in the game is 44-and-a-half. So in a game where the total is 44-and-a-half, we have a 20-and-a-half-point underdog who's undefeated this season. I mean, I just think a lot of people are questioning the motivation for Florida State. Um, they're also losing guys. Coleman's not going to play in this mm-hmm. game. Obviously, you already don't have Jordan Travis in this game. 20 and a half's a big number. I know. For me, that's I, just got to be a stay away I, right now. I, listen, the smarter thing is a stay away. But again, I'm, and we're playing in what we talked about at the beginning of the show. I understand that there's narrative. It's a narrative-based bet. But there are also other guys that, like like you said this earlier, right, in some of these bowl games, it's a chance for other younger players to get a big opportunity on a stage. Yeah. And Florida State's pissed off yeah. that they are not in the college football playoff. Yeah, and they should I, be. I, think that, like I really be, think that is going to matter in this game, where Georgia, you've got a roster full of guys that have seen multiple national championships, never lost, looking around going, this game doesn't mean a damn thing. Like, they don't have something to prove. They lost the SEC championship game they knew you lose that you're not getting in right. but florida state is still expected to be in yeah. so this is a chance for them i i just think more motivation is there for florida state i like florida state plus 20 and a half i would love a full 21 might even just go ahead and 
take an alternate number there slightly just to get the the three full touchdowns, but still. And what has to kill you if you're Florida State is if you're in any other conference. I mean, I know that's a lot of money, but I'd probably do whatever it takes to get out of the ACC, man. Because if they're yes. an SEC undefeated team, even without their starting quarterback, yeah. you think if like if, if Jalen Milrow woke up like two days before they made their decision and, you know, broke his foot getting out of bed that Alabama's not in the college football playoff even with one loss let alone an undefeated season so I get them being pissed off but so as far as tomorrow uh the big one for me over Ole Miss Penn State 50 and a half Maryland plus seven or six and a half it's minus 115 shop around for best price also wait and see maybe if you could get that seven again I think that's pretty important in that one and then um I I was really tempted to bet Wisconsin pretty big once it was announced that Jaden Daniels is out in this game but I just I don't know, man, because the backup for LSU is still pretty good, and Logan Diggs is going to be able to play in this game or is going to play in this game because he's going back to LSU. And Wisconsin, like this is kind of surprising, outside the top 50 defending the run because since I've been born, since the Ron Dane days, you know they run mm-hmm. the football really well, yep. and they stop the run, they yeah. have a good offensive line. But year one for Fickle just wasn't a very successful season, in my opinion. He went under the win total, which cost me 300 bucks. Um, I thought they had a shot to actually win the Big Ten. And uh, they're not ready yet, man. So I'm staying away from that one. Trista keeps asking about this Oregon Liberty game and kind of like ripping it. I think this is going to be the most electric game of the day outside of the college football playoff. You like the over in that? It's up to 67 and a half. I love the over 67 and a half. Both of these teams, these teams average, these teams are going to come into this game averaging a combined 1,200 yards of total offense. I like Liberty to cover the 16 and a half, Mm -hmm. even though Bo Nix is going to play in this game. And if I have a couple beverages by 1 p.m. when this kicks off, <laughs> I'm probably going to play some Liberty Moneyline plus 550, just like I did last year with uh, Tulane against USC. I think Liberty's a really good team. I think Jamie Chadwell's a really damn good coach, and I think this might have potential to be the best game of the day. Iowa-Tennessee, this one's easy. Under 35 and a half. Okay? <laughs> it's Iowa. I mean, it's Iowa. <laughs> Hendon Hooker's not playing in this game, right? He, he Joe Milton's not playing yeah. in this game. I mean, <laughs> Hendon Hooker's definitely not playing in this game. He is on the active roster now, though. Did you guys see that for Detroit? But Joe Milton stinks, and he's not playing in this game. Uh, under 35 and a half. Tennessee's actually top 15 in, like, most categories defense this mm-hmm. season. Really good pass rush. Good against the run, and it's Iowa. So they can't score, and they got a good defense. Same story since 1983. Alabama, Michigan. Love Michigan in this spot. Love the money line. Minus 120. Staying away from the total because I'm pretty tempted to bet the over. The only thing that scares me about this game, I kind of like, I'd like to make the case for like both teams. So Michigan is going to run the ball 60% of the time. Alabama's top 10 against the run. If they shut down the run, J.J. McCarthy's going to have to make throws. Do you trust J.J. McCarthy right now to make the throws? We haven't seen any evidence that we should in a few weeks. I kind of do. I I think he was beat up the last Mm -hmm. couple weeks of the season. You think he's healthy enough to trust him? Yeah, now I think he'll be a little bit healthier. And, you know, Alabama, they won some close games. They won, I mean, we talked about this earlier tonight. They won some games that they shouldn't have won, and they've struggled a little bit on the road. Now, this is a neutral site game. But the offensive line's not your typical Alabama offensive line. They look big. They were much better the second half of the season, but they could be pushed around. Now they're going against a Michigan defense that gives up six points per game, that hasn't given up 100 yards on the ground since like three years ago. So I don't know that Alabama's going to be able to run the ball, meaning that forces Milrow to be one-dimensional, dropping back 20-plus times, 25-plus times in this game. And I think he might turn the ball over a couple times. So I love Michigan. I think it's championship or bust this season. I think Harbaugh gets the job done against Saban. And I like uh, Washington, plus four. Number one Mm -hmm. passing team in the country. Texas, as good as their defense is, they're outside the top 50 defending the pass. 
Washington has one of the best offensive lines in the country, top five. And the only way that you could beat Michael Penix, you got to force him outside the pocket. He completes less than 55% of his passes when he's outside of the pocket. When he's inside of the pocket, he's one of the best quarterbacks, if not the best quarterback in the country. And I just, I don't know that Texas is going to get pressure. They only blitz like 35% of the time. They're not really getting a whole lot of natural pressure. And you have three NFL wide receivers. Uh, one really good one in Rome, who's going to be a top 10 pick. And the Washington defense, I think they need two or three stops and they could win this game outright. Maybe a takeaway. Everybody kept fading them, fading them, fading them against Oregon and steaming the Ducks, steaming the Ducks to where it got to double digits. And they won it outright. I just feel like they're last year's TCU, but a better version. So I like them plus four. I'm not going to do anything with the money line because it's only a plus 150 price. And I do like this Texas team, but uh, that's going to be fun, man. Kalen DeBoer against Sark. And yet still, I kind of like the under at 63 and a half because of those defenses. I think Washington's defense might step up here. Well, we talked earlier, uh, you know, about that, that Texas defensive line. And I think that's going to be a major, have a major impact just on that offense and that rhythm alone. But if you're saying that Washington is last year's TCU, that means they're going to get their ass whooped in the national championship game. So I hope that's I not wish. the case. I wish that they were because, man, I mean, as bad as that game sucked, and that's on me, as bad as that <laughs> game sucked. It's like I didn't know there was a doorbell in I the studio. It was that was Jeopardy or something. I have I my computer what, on mute, but there's one one site for whatever reason that slips. It's, it's you're a supposed site. to go to those sites in your own private time, not no, 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 no. Have no. To do with the that's, chancellor at a Wisconsin that's, school. That's me doing my job, actually. As I told you guys, I was going to bet Missouri a little bit bigger, and I didn't. I'm already regretting it. Watching uh, Ohio State march down the field here, but uh, no, 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 I don't. I don't think, man. Like Washington could win it all. They really could. I think they're a better version than last year's TCU team. I wish they were as bad, though, because as bad as that team sucked, that game sucked, uh, that was easy money, man, Georgia. And I don't think we'll ever get a play like that ever again now with the expanded playoff. And, you know, we talk about parity in the NFL, but college football's had a lot of that, too, this year. Still scoreless, Missouri and Ohio State, 4.50 to go in the first quarter. Bet MGM tonight. We'll be right back in just a few. Head over to BetMGM to place a better three. This is BetMGM Tonight, presented by BetMGM, live from BetQL. It's like, again, if people, I'm just listening, and people, a lot of people seem to start to be saying, oh, that's a terrible sentence. A lot of people seem to be saying, he wins the three. You know what that three. sentence was? Abominable. Ab- ab- abominable. Ab- That's abdominal. exactly what the sentence was. Abdominal. A-, a lot of people seem to be making this case. Like, I-, I wish I was on it earlier, but, like, you got – just listen. Like, people are saying this already. And, like, I- I'm- if you bet Brock Purdy or you think you should win, be mad. I'm just telling you what people are saying. I don't think this – who cares what I think? I'm just telling you that's what a lot of people seem to be saying. And uh, and so I-, I think it makes it, like, an interesting insight for Thursday is, like, is Josh Allen's MVP price – should it just be a three, like a three leg parlay of them to win the three games? And if so, what is the right price for that in that market? Is that really what it is? Which we talked about last week a little, and we'll talk about more on Thursday. I don't know what's happening here. What do we do? So before all the action started on Sunday morning, all the newsmakers were out there. Aaron Rodgers expected to be clear to play this week and then the jets get blanked and um they're eliminated from the playoffs so now what has this always been in only if they make or are alive for the playoffs situation i don't know mm-hmm. about that they, with the ego involved and they'll play it off as saying well it you know it's more time actually on the field in this offense moment carry over momentum than next year more work with garrett wilson who we know is going to be there and Rodgers out to prove, hey, I am going to be back next season. It's not just 
Um, it's not just me. And, it, and there's going to be questions about retirement in the offseason. I guess there's motivation there. But at some point, the parents have to step in and say, no, this is idiotic. But Rodgers is running the organization. They let him do whatever he wants. He tells the GM mm-hmm. who's coming in. So I don't know. I'm, I don't really care much about it, but it is possible that that's what this line is saying, that that it is a real possibility, even though the Jets are eliminated, that he could be playing on Sunday. necessarily put you know cast all their demons aside or put all their questions to bed by any stretch i mean you had Kadarius tony doing Kadarius tony things um you know yeah you had a couple of weird interceptions where you're kind of wondering about the role of the pass catcher in both of them i mean the guy who's paid, paid to catch the ball not the guy who's paid to defend the guy who catches the ball i would have loved to have seen that game if Zappy doesn't throw the horrible pick down the right sideline, like this, the grossly underthrown ball, like if that doesn't, like, cause that was a football game up to that point. Like, and I kind of would wanted to see if this is a one score game in the fourth quarter, what does this chiefs team look like now? Again, he throws the pick. It ends up being two scores. Belichick decides I'm just waving the white flag. And that's what Kraft wants anyway. Right. So he's punting where you're like, why is he punting? I mean, it, it kind of goes uber conservative. Um, and the Chiefs win comfortably. And they needed to win that game, no two ways about it. Um, they needed to leave Foxborough with a two, right? Like the first number in their scoring total needed to at least be a two of some sort. Like if they played that game in the teens, I, I think it's probably not good for their confidence or, you know, their locker room camaraderie. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't know. Um if they have to go on the road for the first time in the playoffs and, and, and do it maybe more than once, I don't think this version of them is equipped to do that. But that they could, I mean, again, you look like a jackass a lot of the times, you know, fading Andy Reid and, and Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. But it's I, I don't know about them being able to overcome the rest of this whole thing on offense. So, Jenks, who? We're back with BetMGM tonight on the BetQL Network, presented by BetMGM. Nets up 86-84 on the Wizards at the end of the third. Our magic whooping my Knicks. 69, nice, uh, yeah, to 52. I got the Knicks. 649 in the third. Any chance you think, uh, don't call it a comeback. They've been here for years. They they come back. That's what that was. Uh, I, I think it's always possible against the Orlando Magic still. But here's the thing about the Knicks. They're not really... 
Like, you can get big nights from Jalen Brunson, right? Julius Randle. But they're not like an explosive – like, they have a real – they play at one of the slowest paces in the NBA. They're just not that type of team. They almost remind me of, like, a, a, a team in the NFL whose quarterback is – and I know this is a dreaded phrase, right? It's a game manager. Yeah. Where really good to keep the team in position to win, but when you're down a couple of touchdowns, you don't really have a lot of confidence in that offense moving the ball and getting down there and cutting into that lead. You don't see it. That's kind of how I look at the Knicks. It's like – yeah. They're a game manager offense, essentially. Yeah, man. And you know who uh, – and I don't think that's a bad thing always. I mean, unless you're down big, right, in a spot like this. But, I mean, you know who wishes they probably still had a game manager? Who? San Francisco. They probably yep. wish Brock Purdy went back to be in the game manager because four picks, that'll kill you in any game. It was bad. It was it bad. It was bad. It was bad. I, I can't I, defend him. I, I can't defend him, my friend. I, it'll be all right, though. I just That's what the Ravens are doing to opposing quarterbacks this year, man. They're just beating up on those guys the same way that the Magic are beating up on the Knicks. I'm just going to keep talking it, talking it in. and Talking it into existence. Now I thought right? we had a little bit of a run, and then Jalen Brunson <laughs> blew a bunny, and now it's over. Luckily, look at that one, though. Hawks up 71-53 at half. They won't blow it. They will. <laughs> I know that. But, see, now you're actually, like, actively trying to mush it. That's not no, what you want on the Hawks I, team. You're I, on the Hawks, right? I came into the night show, and I was like, I'm not going to bet any NBA. And then I looked at the card, and I was like, I kind of like this. I kind of yeah. like this. I kind of like this. And I kind of like this. And uh, next thing you knew, I had four bets. I really want to get you more into props, NBA props. I like props, too. I like props, I know, too. I like I to wait like a little bit. You definitely them. like more sides and totals, which, like, I get. But it, yeah. the NBA is just so random where players are more dependable on a Tuesday night or a Friday night and. December or January, February, where you just go, all right, I can trust him. Yeah. And again, that's not guaranteed. Blowouts yeah. ruin that too. Yeah. But it's. I got my guys. All right. So I, I got. Know, I got to dabble more. And I, I think. got Embiid, and then I got Halliburton, who I don't know if you saw this the other night. And I don't uh, even know that we brought it up somehow. Twenty assists. Yep. Zero turnovers against the Chicago Bulls. I don't think people understand yet. How good he is. How good he Like, we're starting to have the conversation nationally. People still don't realize he Tyrese Halliburton could go down. He at least has the trajectory right now in his career to be the greatest point guard of all time. An assist-to-turnover ratio for a true point guard, to have the ball in your hands that much and not throw it away at all is absolutely crucial. And for him to have 20 assists yeah. and no turnovers – and it's, this is a regular thing. Maybe not the 20 assists, but he just does not turn the ball over. Goal, the only other player that I can think of that compares to that is Chris Paul. Chris Paul in his prime specifically was somebody that would have 10 assists and like one turnover. And look at the biggest stars in the NBA. Even one of the greatest basketball minds we've ever had in LeBron James. Big time turnover machine. Yeah. A lot of turnovers. Well, and that's why, I mean, I don't think it's crazy to say. I mean, if he does this consistently and he continues to play, right, like mm -hmm. a decade plus and puts up these type of numbers, I wonder how he would be viewed. And I like this Pacers team. I mean, it's not like he has to win a ring to be considered the greatest either because I still consider it's hard with point guards because Magic was different because he was 6'9", yeah. mm -hmm. and Stockton was different. And I know there's a lot of Stockton haters, and I get that, but growing up, I used to like watching him a lot because he took care of the basketball. Mm -hmm. What you said, man, true traditional point guards. I liked even a guy like Mark Jackson. Um, yeah, we said Stockton. I mean, some of these guys, though, the assist numbers were just crazy back in the day, but there yeah. were just true point guards. So I wonder, like, if Halliburton continues to do this, how he'll be viewed, if not one of the greatest of all time. Because, I mean, these numbers are crazy, man. 20 assists without a turnover. 
That's that's nuts. You don't and, see that. I mean, to see it get to the point where we're looking at like an assist prop that's twelve and a half assists minus one twenty to the over is like insane. And we there are nights where that's what we're getting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean that's just unheard of. Oh, it really is. I mean, th- like twenty assists, man. The Pacers remember, have a long way to go, but if I'm building a team, that's uh, if I'm building a team because there's very few of those guys. The Pat, because I, I don't want to call him a pass first point guard because he can go out and he can score too. Yeah, but he's a true facilitator. Like a lot of these, I remember having these arguments for years, especially when I was still doing, you know, shows in D.C. and. Uh, Russell Westbrook was there for that one season. Yeah. And people would get so mad. He'd be like, well, he averages a triple-double, and he got 10 assists. What more do you want from him? Well, he turned the ball over eight times. He shot 3 of 11 from the field. And when, like, Russell Westbrook, some of these guys get assists, it's almost like like they, he's, he's got a great court. He's got great court vision. You yeah. see those moments, but a lot of it's just he's not thinking get everybody else involved. He's thinking go to the rim, get fouled, go to the free throw line, go get buckets first. His mindset is not get – he doesn't make everybody around him better, right? The offense doesn't flow. It's choppy. Yeah. It's very ISO. And Tyrese Halliburton is the opposite of that, man. He's he is, he's the Patrick Mahomes of the NBA right now. Yeah. Especially – maybe not this year with Mahomes and Chiefs, but you, you, you know. Yeah, you know. no. I mean, I get what you're saying, though. And, and also, like, the position's changed a little bit where now there's not a whole lot of, like, traditional point guards because now yes. on most teams – and this is changing again now with, like, the resurgence of the big man because mm-hmm. their skill sets are so different. But for a while there, your point guard – was your best player. I mean, yep. I talked about before the show uh, going to watch John Wall against Derrick Rose at the United Center mm-hmm. years back, and those were score-first point guards. Yes. Russ Westbrook, score-first yes. point guard. You know, Harden is a point guard. And, you know, I mean, he's always had decent assist numbers, but when he was in Houston, he was a score-first point yep. guard. And Allen Iverson, I'll never forget, I was a big AI guy, uh, AI guy like when he left Georgetown, loved him, and uh, my dad was like, yeah, 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 he's a great player, but he's he's more of a two. He's just too small to play the two. And we watched that first game, and I'll never forget he scored 30 points. And I was like, I told you. And he was like, <laughs> he also had nine turnovers in yep. that game. But you would watch a traditional point guard like a Mark Jackson, a John Stockton, going back to those guys. And the turnover numbers, they took care of the basketball. The assist-to-turnover ratio, Mark Price, that, that was always great. You know, my dad would be like, you want to play point guard? Watch Scott Skiles. And I did. And I did watch Scott Skiles. Scott had 30, Skiles. He had 30 assists in a game, which I believe still has to be the record. I don't think anybody's broken that record. Yes. But Scott I'm Skiles. I'm pretty sure that is the assist 30 record 30 assists. Still. But now, I mean, like, 20 isn't far off. And Halliburton's doing that, like, every single night and not turning the ball over. So I think he already has to be in the conversation if he continues to do it for a couple more years. Man, and with great. an up-tempo game in the NBA and a lot of possessions, I mean, you, you, you get to the point where it's like, oh, like, it's absolutely possible for him to just rack up those assists. Yeah. So, all right, you want to start looking at the uh, NFL card we got coming up this weekend? Oh, you know it. All right, Lions and Cowboys. The Lions are five-and-a-half-point dogs on the road. Totals 52. We talked to Chris Arnold a little bit earlier live from uh, Dallas. If you missed that, check that out on the podcast. It knows the Cowboys absolutely inside and out. The big thing for this game, though, right, is, I mean, two high-powered offenses here. There's a reason why the total sits where it is. But the Cowboys, 7-0 and at home. They've got a 15-game winning streak at home and the Lions as an indoor team and the Cowboys as an indoor team also very good like it's it's two teams that excel in this setting the edge to me though is the Cowboys simply because it's just a home versus road like I know that may sound basic but the Cowboys at home and I actually really love what Chris said and I'm I'm buying into it having all of those legends there to put Jimmy Johnson in the ring of honor, that is going to be something that Dallas Cowboys players are looking at, and you don't want to throw up all over yourself in front of all these Hall of Famers. Yeah, I hope they score a bunch of points, man, because 
I don't know what to do here because Dallas at home, I mean, it's like Goff on the road, which usually is an auto fade for me if yep. he's going against a good pass rush. And you have Dallas, who's number one right now in pass rush win rate. The only thing that does concern me a little bit is Dallas against the run. And right now, Gibbs and David Montgomery are both top eight in EPA. Like, both of those guys. And Gibbs is just getting going. We talked about it last night. Uh, my favorite bet, over 17 and a half, longest rush. And then I also gave out Gibbs over 46 and a half rushing yards. I think he's going to get the majority of the touches. I mean, they're still going to feed Montgomery. I like those guys. And then, obviously, I feel like everybody's going to talk about Sam Laporta, and I do think that's a really good bet. I like the receiving yards over 46 and a half. Dallas, what, 31st? defending that position, defending the middle of the field, and slot receivers. So that's the other concern for Dallas in this game, and the reason I haven't got to the window on them yet is just right now slot corner has been a liability for them and then the middle of the field. So I do like the over. I played it at 50 and a half, and I think we're going to get some points in this game. You know, the Cowboys, even even though they're getting that solid pass rush, struggling against the run, and we talked about it, that Jonathan Hankins injury has been a big injury mm-hmm. since week nine. They're getting gashed on the ground. They're struggling against the, the middle of the field, like we said. They're playing a ton of man coverage. The problem with that is Jordan Lewis. He's been a liability as their slot corner. He's grading out 135th out of 136 qualifying corners. So I also like the St. Brown props because he's lining up in the slot on 50% of his routes that he's running. So probably a big St. Brown game, a big Laporta game, a big Gibbs game if you like props. And I just I like the over. And as I say that, it just hit 52. Yep. So like the over and... Uh, I'm staying away from the side because everything tells me Dallas back at home, good get right spot. But I don't know, man, because if the Lions are going to have all these guys kind of doing whatever they want on the field against that defense, um, maybe they can hang within the number. I don't know if they win it outright because Dallas hasn't lost at home in forever. But uh, five and a half is kind of a big number. But just give me the over 52 and all those props. I still don't know how to read the Cowboys at this point either. You know what I mean? Like you really just get a different team week by week. I kind of thought we had not passed that, but improved on that issue that they have and it's just really not the case i wanted to see them yeah i I wanted to see more consistency right because i I mean i wanted to see them win the nfc east for all the futures but man i mean one week at home they look like a super bowl contender on the road they do not also though like the miami game i think that might say a little bit more about where miami's at and i know hard knocks is on and I hate when people are like, I watch Hard Knocks and I see, you know, Mike McDaniels is a good coach. Like, go in every locker room. He's not doing, like, anything different than every other coach. It's just not on HBO. Oh, I'm falling in love with this team, and he's the best coach ever because I get to watch him for an hour on HBO of edited footage. Like, no, 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 no. All these guys are smart. Most of these guys are smart, other than the idiot that's in Atlanta. You know, and, and a couple others. The defensive, say, the defensive coordinator in Green Bay. Too. Yeah, <laughs> but, I mean... Yeah, yeah. There's still a lot we could get to on this game, but I do love the over, man. And uh, these, I don't know, but I just think that that game said a little bit more about Miami. They needed that signature win. And also, Dallas had some bad luck. They fumbled at the one-yard line Mm -hmm. in that game. Uh, They were actually really good down-to-down. I think they were, like, number one in total, like, you know, down-to-down success rate by uh, Pro Football Focus. They just couldn't cash in. So maybe they bounce back, or maybe the Lions finally win a signature game. One thing to keep in mind with this, Jared Goff, the third most turnovers under pressure this season. He's got 10 of those. The Cowboys defense leads the NFL in pressure percentage, almost 37%. So they're going to get after Jared Goff. But we talk about this a lot, and a lot of quarterbacks just not good under pressure. You know, so especially Goff. Especially Goff. He's, he, he ain't moving much in that pocket, and uh, it's going to be a major issue. We know that Dallas loves to get after the quarterback, which could make a major difference. All right, looking ahead to more Week 17 coming up. It's Bet MGM the night.
It's time for a short commercial break. Don't go anywhere, though, because we'll be right back with even more BetMGM Tonight. Presented by BetMGM. Live from BetQL.